It's November 6th, 2017. Welcome to this episode of College Ruled. We're in it. We're just starting. Uh, um, college is hard, so let's talk about it. Uh, I'm Bradley Smith. Tanya's here. Say hello, Tanya. Hello, hello, Tanya. <laughs> yes, very accurate. Um, so who's going first? Do you, I, I, I have stuff you I can talk about. Because you're going first because college is hard, but this week, at least for you... College is very exciting. Yeah, college, college is quite exciting. Um, before we before we do that, I want to say that I have failed, in a sense, because I pledged to try the Kaizen strategy for doing things, and I did not. Shame on you. We're but, all very disappointed. But, and I just want to get that out of the way, up front, that I am a failure, in a, in that in a small sense. Um, in the smallest sense. Yeah. But I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try again this coming week. Cool, yeah. Because I still like the idea of it. Did you do it? Did I do kaizen? No, but I talked to my therapist about it, and he is now going to hold me accountable for doing kaizen. <laughs> because my kaizen goal was to like meditate and practice mindfulness, and I did not do that. Uh, and so I talked to him about that. He was like, you know, what what do you want to achieve here? Because it's my first few meetings with this dude. He's like, what do you want to achieve through our sessions? And I was like, well. You know, just you holding me accountable would probably be a good thing. So I told him about my, my failure to, to commit to Kaizen because it was such a crazy week and I was so busy. And he was like, it will always be a crazy week. You will always be busy. That's the point of Kaizen. I, <laughs> I was like, fuck, he got me. So Savage good. therapist. Yeah, so he um, he kind of got a little um, intense about it too, like which I appreciate because I kind of need that uh, that sort of push sometimes um because i am such a a large personality people often feel at odds trying to tell me what to do which i like in general but when it comes to staying accountable <laughs> for personal goals uh, i could use some some kick-ass uh, yeah. trainer type stuff so he sits me down and he's like all right you're gonna meditate for five minutes every day what time are you gonna do it before you go to work and i was like <laughs> Uh, that's awesome he was like he's like okay 7 30 and then i relax thinking like we're done and i like take a deep breath out and he's like when are you gonna do it on the weekend and i was like oh god <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you got that all settled out cool. and now i am i am accountable to my very handsome therapist <laughs> okay <laughs> so we will both start anew you and i bradley on our kaizen journey yeah i think i, I had mentioned that i wanted to do it with my mandolin I think mm-hmm. I might like. I would have to find it somewhere so that it's safe from the dogs. But I, I, I would maybe if I like take it out of its case and like set it somewhere that I can just pick it up and do stuff with it. That might help. Excuse me. <laughs> um, but yeah, that uh, that sounds dope. Um, that's actually something that Thomas Frank talks a lot about. Um, in one of his videos about practicing, it. and I think in that same video he talks about kaizen, which yeah. maybe where I picked it up, but. He says not just um, like that the idea of kaizen and like doing something for a certain amount of time every day, but rather um, to put something in a place that makes it convenient. Because if your mandolin is in a case under your bed, it takes you know so much mental energy to get out the case from under your bed to open the case to like wipe your mandolin off and then sit down and get started. Whereas if you have a stand at your desk right next to you in arm's reach that the dogs can't get to or whatever, like, you know, work out your situation. But if it only takes five seconds to pick up your mandolin, you are infinitely more likely to actually practice it because yeah. it's there and it's readily available. Just like, you know, like, it's super easy to pick up your PlayStation or Xbox controller because it's right there, because you put it right there, because you want it easily accessible. You need to make the things that you want to practice easily accessible. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that Steam icon on my desktop. That just takes yeah. me right to all the things I, I could should do less of sometimes yes correct. Um, i wish i had a stand for my mandolin i don't know what i'm gonna do but I, I don't have a stand i will send you some links to some very cheap diy stands that you can make for like five bucks with oh. stuff from your local craft store that sounds great thank you mm-hmm. um okay but college uh, i mentioned last week that this past friday I had a tour of my prospective college, which I'm just going to come out and say is the University of Kentucky in Lexington, because uh, I, I want to talk very specifically about my experiences on that tour and trying to, trying to, that I wouldn't be able to do that without outing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got up and 
uh, got on the road. I live in, I'm just going to also say that I live in Louisville. Because why not? Um, uh-huh. So I, I got up and drove to Louisville, or to, from Louisville to Lexington in the morning and got there and uh, went to this visitor center. We had like a transfer information session for like 30 or 40 minutes with some people. Um, who kind of went over specifically like transfer stuff, scholarships, deadlines. Uh, they kind of went over their team structure there. Uh, they have um, three. Sorry, they have three people who actually handle like transfer admissions, and they split up the state of Kentucky by area. Uh, they have a couple of these things called equivalency officers. Mm-hmm. Which is which I thought was very cool because those people's entire job is to l- look at transcripts like by hand, go over every credit incoming transfers have earned, and and manually assign them an equivalent credit at UK. Which means that every credit from any accredited university, no matter where it is, go transfers there. Wow, that's so awesome! Um, and very unusual. Yeah, yeah. So literally anything you have from anywhere, if it's accredited, <clears throat> it works. They'll That's make they make it work for you, um, which is super cool because I because I uh, was laboring under the delusion that I would be attending the University of Louisville for a while, uh, and was you know trying to cater a uh, class program for transferring it can be hard because you need very specific things. Yes. Um, and once my plans changed, and I decided to go to UK, it turns out that. Uh, it doesn't matter because they're cool. Um, and I just immediately was really taken aback by the amount of support and uh, uh, depth of su- of support that they give to uh, students of all kinds at that university. Mm-hmm. That was really impressive. And I think in the end, that was the most impressive thing was was how gung-ho they are about uh, uh, helping, helping people. Because people at, at my uh, college... Um, which if we're just going to come out and say it is, is uh, JCTC, Jefferson Community and Technical College. Because mm-hmm. I feel like at this point you could pretty much guess uh, what it is. Um, and I won't be there for much longer anyway. Everyone there is really good, but I've definitely had one or two little experiences with people in some of the, in some of the like admissions and, and financial aid office and stuff that I was just left like, I don't feel, I don't feel like you're giving me the information I need at all. No way. Um, which happens, but that's mm-hmm. beside the point. It was a very good little information session. Uh, I There was only one other person there who wasn't like a family, like parents and kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was definitely in the minority of things. And then we went on a 90-minute walking tour of the campus, uh, which I don't know if you've ever been to the UK campus. I don't think that I have. It's fucking huge. It is so <laughs> big um and it's it's very pretty uh there's a lot of amazing architecture there's very a lot of like distinct areas that all look very distinct from each other there's lots of awesome like big plazas like with different statues some of them have like like big trees there's one specific plaza we went through that i really loved that was just huge trees like four lines of them and it was completely canopied Oh, um, so it, it was awesome. It was super cool, uh, and I think the first the first thing that made me go like, "Oh shit, this is like this place is serious." Is we the first building we went into was the business and economics building, huh. um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're pretty serious. <laughs> yeah, uh, we went. Uh, it's like an open air lobby that goes up several floors, and you can see in windows uh, on several floors into different classrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could see across the way this classroom that where a class was happening where everyone was at computers and there was like one of those Wall Street tickers with like live stock prices of all these businesses <laughs> in the classroom while just like while they were teaching just to, just in case anything crazy happened. That's so funny. Um, and I was like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, so that was very cool and we saw a uh, we saw some dining halls. We got to see a mock dorm, uh, which doesn't apply to me. My wife and I are going to be getting an apartment uh, or something almost certainly mm-hmm. when we inevitably move there. Yeah. But their dorms, oh my God, 
every dorm, no matter what it is, has granite countertops and Tempur-Pedic mattresses. <laughs> Everyone on the whole campus. That's so awesome. <laughs> my uh, my undergraduate dorm experience was very different from Yeah, that. I've, I've seen some rad. dorms on other big universities that were... Uh, that one of the the tour guide at one point was like, you know, most dorms, it's at least for like freshmen and stuff, it's kind of like camping. It's, you're pretty much roughing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and all of their dorms are also suite style, so they have enclosed bedrooms and common mm-hmm. areas. Um, we saw, uh, I saw one of those gigantic classrooms where they like have hundred people, two hundred people classes, uh, which was very neat. Did it make your stomach drop? It makes my stomach drop when I look at those rooms. Uh, no, because I have no experience with them, so it's just kind of it's just kind of novel. Mm-hmm. Um, a class was happening though, and so like people were kind of spread out. It didn't. It wasn't inc- incredibly dense mm-hmm. for as large as the room was, and I I likely won't be even utilizing uh, any of those big rooms. And here's another impressive thing. Uh, 90% of classes at UK have 40 or less people in them. That's awesome. Yeah, they have like an 18 to 1 staff to student ratio there. That's really great. Um, so those larger classrooms are for a lot of gen eds and mm-hmm. more generalized courses. We saw yeah. some dining halls. Yeah. yeah, we saw some dining halls uh, that looked, looked you know, they were they were very nice, but they looked like dining halls. There's specifically, one of them is called the K-Lair, which sounds like some kind of K-pop dungeon. <laughs> um, very interesting. Yeah, I, um, there, I, I don't want to say it without uh, endangering my anonymity, um, but there are always goofy names for um, cafeterias and stuff, mm-hmm. and they're some of my favorite. Uh, I like when they get called dens. Sometimes <laughs> they get called the den, like lion's den, bear's den, rooster's den, that sort of thing. And I think that's funny. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It's quite tri- It's quite tribal. It's very. And um, it's a very tribal place. Like you walk in and it's like that scene in Mean Girls where it's like, <laughs> those are the cool Asians and this is the, you know, <laughs> these are the cool girls and these are the, you know burnouts and losers and here's the jocks and here's the nerds and like all that cool stuff yeah i think it's funny i mean it's it's definitely different in college for sure but there is there's still a little bit of that clickiness that hangs around particularly if um like big big name colleges are less terrible about it but like particularly if you go to like a, a smaller school or like a somewhat local school um you know, you run into the same hundred kids you graduated with and stuff like that. So it can it can keep those feelings sometimes, but luckily you won't have to deal with that. Right. Um, kind of on that note, I know I, I had lamented uh, or I had, had talked about how much I enjoyed the diversity at my community college. It's like very ethnically diverse, background diverse, age diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of just, this is anecdotal, but on a glance kind of taking stock of the, the the students that we passed on this walking tour, mm-hmm. the campus does seem a little less diverse. Um, That's very likely. Yeah, and you know, which makes sense given given circumstances. Mm-hmm. So that was just that was a small thing I noted. Not, you know, a big problem in itself, but something that that I noticed. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people would say or or just assume like Oh, you're going to a bigger school, so everything about it is going to be better. But no, there are going to be definitely there are going to be things about yeah. your old school that you miss, and and things that you would you know have be a little bit different at your new school. But but that's just uh, that's just the way transition goes. Yeah. Um. We saw, we saw the gym, which was very fancy. Mm-hmm. Um. There was rock walls. There was, they uh, they had uh weights and cardio separated by floor so Mm -hmm. those kind of styles of workouts didn't really intermingle which is kind of neat Mm -hmm. because i feel like as someone who if i were to go to a gym would definitely start with cardio for probably a good while Mm -hmm. would might would uh it might feel a little intimidated by the uh facsimile of the hulk next to me lifting (laughs) lifting three thousand pounds or whatever they do um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not to be like pejorative, but 
If you got big yeah, muscles, I mean, you're scary. It's even even big guys that go to a gym oftentimes feel intimidated by yeah. other bigger guys yeah. going to a gym. So yeah, yeah. don't worry about it. Their yeah. feelings aren't hurt. I don't think. <laughs> um, some of them might take it as a compliment. Yeah, maybe they would be like, "Hell yeah, I'm intimidating that dude." <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, that's one thing that uh, I'm curious about is I haven't uh, explored the gym at my university here yet. I've only been here for a few months, um, but we are a sports-oriented school to the point yeah. where um, I, on that haunted tour that I was telling you about uh, off-cast, I went to a, a haunted campus tour last night, and at the same time, there was a football game happening, and so regularly throughout the tour somebody would check their phone and interrupt the tour guide to yell about the current score and everyone would cheer or boo. <laughs> like, at the same time, it was ridiculous. But, but yeah, so the gym and, like, the sports culture there, I'm interested to, to hear about as you start to learn next semester. Yeah, I am too. Because um, I know at UK they bleed blue. That's the idea, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very strange. I'll say, uh, having lived in Louisville my whole life, uh, the only real meaningful interactions I had with the concept of the University of Kentucky was all of the stickers and bumper plates and clothing and hats you see people wearing. Pumpkins and Halloween and baby strollers and water bottles and everything you can imagine being blue and white. Insulin. Uh, <laughs> that's not a joke. That's a real thing. What? People yeah, like people will deck out their their like wearable medical gear. Like I cannot tell you how many oxygen tanks I've seen with UK stickers on them, or literally in UK blue. <laughs> that was. I thought I was making a joke, and then it got very real. You underestimated Kentucky badly. <laughs> um, and having this is a. I don't want to get too deep into this, but but. Uh, Coloring my view of all that, I've I've never been into the sports rivalry or or very many sports really in my life, even though mm-hmm. I do have a respect for them and the and the nature of fandom and all that. I like I think there are more similarities between sports fandoms and non sports fandoms than most people would like to think. I would agree. Um, but my fa- my household growing up was always a U of L household, at least cool. sports wise. So it was it was. UK has kind of thoroughly been cemented in my mind as the other. Um, so it's very strange to like you know, be interacting with it in this new way. You will, you will truly be a prodigal son. <laughs> yeah. I, I um, Jumping ahead in the story a little bit, I, I went and bought a UK jacket uh, afterwards because they gave me a, a coupon for the bookstore. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I, th- I thought, hey, I'll check out the bookstore. And I, I literally, uh, it was kind of like drizzling the entire tour and I was the only one in short sleeves. Um, and I was like, I don't own a rain jacket. I need a rain jacket. So, mm-hmm. and then on like I, on Facebook, it looks yeah, quite dapper. It's a Columbia jacket. Oh, I like walked by a very dapper looking man on the way to the bookstore, and he was wearing one. And I was like, I'm gonna find one of those when I get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be that kind of collegiate. I'm gonna be that guy. I think oh. it was actually in the alumni section. I don't know if I broke a rule, but whatever. You're um, fine. Uh, and I got. I went to tell my parents um, about about the tour and stuff, and my dad jokingly was like, yeah, just don't wear that UK shit around the house or anything. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, uh, actually, I'm really curious. I need you to go on a mission for me. You have to find something out. Are you ready? Yeah. I okay, accept. so the mission, the mission when you start in the next semester is to find out the legend of the place that you can't go. So, like, on every college campus, this is something that I love, and I love talking to people from different schools so I can learn theirs. Um, on, on every campus that I've ever encountered, um, and everyone I've ever talked to about it has also had the story of the place you can't go, the thing you can't touch, the stuff you can't look at, the grass you can't walk on, something that you can't do or interact with, because if you do, you it'll add a year to your graduation time, or if you do, you'll never graduate, and so... Um, at one of my universities, it was the Alumni Green. So there's like a special place where you go whenever you graduate. Um, so like the, the class that's just graduated gets their photo taken on the Alumni Green. And it's this big, I mean, it's, it's basically a whole football field size of, of this beautiful, like little grassy knoll type deal. Um, and if you were to walk on it, if you set foot on the Alumni Green, um, you would add 
a year to your graduation time. And if you walked all the way across it, like you are supposed to when you graduate, um, then you'll never graduate if you do it before you're supposed to. And so um, at each of the universities that I've been to, I've been to three now, um, all of them have a story like that. Like um, there's a clock tower and you're not supposed to stand under the clock tower. And if you stand under the clock tower, then you add a year to your graduation or something like that. And so I've never done it. I've never broken those rules. I think I might have at my undergrad, but um, I didn't, I didn't, I, I graduated on time, so I don't know what to say about that. But so I'm so fascinated to, to find out what the, the UK no-no is, the graduation no-no. Um, so if there's like an alumnus arch or something like that, or like a special place where graduates go or like some kind of statue or, or trophy. Yeah. I, I love little uh, campus superstitions, so you got to find yeah. out. Collegiate folklore. Yes, collegiate folklore. What a great way to put it that I definitely could not have thought of at in the morning. <laughs> it's 11 here. Um, that's that's your advantage. Yeah, that hour. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Legend of the Forbidden Place. I have written it down. Yes, sounds, sounds like sounds Legend awesome. of the Hidden Temple. I feel like, yeah, I was going to say we should make a video game out of that. <laughs> I know but... on I know on the U of L campus there's this one big. U of L crest that's inset into the sidewalk in the center of a big walkway intersection mm-hmm. that you're not supposed to step on. I don't. Yeah. I've, never, I've never heard what the consequences for that are, but I know you're not supposed to step on it. Yeah, I'll keep an eye out for that. I might ask around. Yes, please. Um, I'm gonna try and pick this up a little bit. What else did we see? Uh, specifically, something I know that you'll be interested in that I thought was cool was the main library on campus. Yes. Uh, which is gigantic. It is a huge circular building that is six floors and a basement. Um, and it is the, like the largest of like eight or nine libraries. Uh, mm-hmm. And the other libraries, this is obviously the general library. The other libraries are uh, interest specific. So, for example, there is an engineering library mm-hmm. that, that I could utilize and one for anything else you could prob- possibly need. Mm-hmm. that all have very specific things which sounds very cool uh this library also has a starbucks in it similar to uh yours library yeah uh it happens to be the largest starbucks in the state of kentucky oh my gosh that's so awesome it's bigger than my apartment <laughs> like by like three times it's so big um, that's nuts we walked into this library <laughs> yeah and there was a giant tapestry of a of a wealthy looking uh old guy with a big horse and we learned i forget the name of the library but it this library is named after this man mm-hmm. who do- donated a lot of money to help get it funded and give other things to the campus mm-hmm. um and you would think well there's this big this big horse oh he has also bred some kentucky derby winners apparently there's this big yeah. horse that must be how he made this money to get his name on this big fancy library, and that is not the case. He actually made his fortune in peanut butter. What? Because he had a little peanut butter company, and he made had this formula for peanut butter that was very good. His company was bought by Jif, who took his formula and made it Jif peanut butter. What? And that is how he got rich. So he... you will be studying in the Jif library? Yes, basically. <laughs> That's awesome. Jif Brary. The Jif Brary. Um, I'm going to make so many peanut butter puns when I have time to think <laughs> of them. Just get ready. Uh, there's a, I was also told that there's a peanut butter plant in Lexington, and on, a bre- on breezy days, you can smell the peanuts on the campus. Oh. Uh, Which uh, I think sounds great. For people that are allergic, it might be kind of terrifying. But yeah, I was gonna say that sounds pretty scary for the looming, people who looming specter of of your of, of your death, death, death yeah. literally the smell of death in the air, the anaphylactic breeze. <laughs> Jeez, that's oh gosh, I'm just like remembering all of the horrific incidents that happened with you know the peanut girl at my high school. <laughs> yeah, mention that to your wife, and she will know exactly what I'm talking about. I'll ask her about that. Yeah, somebody uh, somebody ate a Reese's cup. Which, this is very serious. I mean, they really endangered this girl's life. But somebody ate a Reese's Cup before the the, the middle school or high school volleyball tournament. And uh, they handled the ball. And she was on the opposite team. And she started to get kind of sick. And they found out, they, they found, like, a Reese's wrapper on the floor. And, like, the whole school system was a no-peanut zone. 
Um, and so, so yeah, like somebody almost got like I saw the the person who, the person who did it admitted to doing it, and you know they apologized. They were they were very sorry. Um, but I saw like our our vice principal like drag this girl through the hallway, being like, "You know about so and so's peanut situation, and you could have killed her, and how would you feel?" Like they went intense on it. So so very yes, serious. That, that yeah, that peanut fear uh, is real. The girl yeah. is fine. The That's woman is, now, is living a happy life. But um, but yeah, that that peanut fear just triggered some high school memories. <laughs> high school never ends, everybody. Just in case you were optimistic, nope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what else were the... Yeah, that library sounds super awesome. I'll have to come check it out. I'm excited to spend time in there. And the Starbucks in there, they all, the library is open uh, almost 24-7, mm-hmm. which is probably typical of big libraries. They close briefly Friday and Saturday nights. Yeah, that's pretty usual, like 9 p.m. to like 6 a.m. or something like that, 10 yeah. p.m. to 6 a.m. Um, although I will let you know, it, this may not be something you're aware of, sometimes during midterms, but almost always during finals and dead week, which is the, the week between uh, the last week of school and finals week. But um, almost always during that time, uh, the library is open 24-7, as are like the coffee and food in that library. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. so if you are really needing to jam-pack some study time, your resources are there. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. I know the Starbucks normally is open from seven to midnight. Nice. Which is pretty cool. Uh, we were told that that library, as you go from the bottom up and from the center out, it gets louder to quieter. In the basement, you can be as loud as you want. Library rules don't apply. You can play music. You can give presentations to people. Oh. It's whatever you want to do. But if you like at the top floor and around the outer edges where there's these study these study spaces. Uh, in those rooms, if you turn a page too loud, people will look at you. Good. Uh. <laughs> spaces like that on campus, I know that I have an unpopular opinion in that regard. But, oh, man, if you are really trying to study some dense, like, if you're trying to read Foucault and somebody is, like, tapping their pencil, you instantly want to murder them. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, there there are places like that on my campus, too, where if you, you know, sniffle too loud... Uh, or if you turn a page too loud, like you said, like literally I've given somebody, like I've mean mugged at somebody <laughs> who like turned a page too loud or were like fucking around with their buddies. And it's like, no, that's not what you're supposed to do here. Take it outside. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It's, nice, though. it's so nice to have a focused environment. It really is. It makes a huge difference. Right. And I like that they've mindfully separated it in that, in that easy to understand way. Mm-hmm. Um, that the higher you go, the quieter it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to wrap this up because I want to hear about your week too. Uh, the, the campus has its own police department, mm-hmm. um, which is not something I had encountered before. Like I know of campuses having security departments, but not like a police force. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's getting more popular, I think with, um, with certain dangers that people are more aware of on campuses now and that are uh, occurring more often. Yeah, um, every university that I that I have gone to has their own police department. Even my tiny undergrad college that you know about. Yeah. Um, yeah, my, my undergrad college has an enrollment of like 6,000 people, and they have a police force. Um, it wasn't, it, w- it was a security department uh, when I first went there, but, but uh, I think my senior year, my fourth year at that university, it became an official police department, and they could give you, you know, like, very official sanctions, and they could carry different kind of weapons and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. it's different. Yeah, um, and it sounds like they take security very seriously there. Uh, I know some, specifically I'm thinking of the University of Louisville. I've never attended there, but my wife did. I know people who have, and I've spent a good amount of time on that campus with people who were students. And mm-hmm. in, in several important ways, at least back when I was hanging out on that campus, uh, the security there seems to be a joke at times. Mm-hmm. Like I've had, you know, they do the thing where you can call and get an escort anywhere on campus, like if you need to at night. Mm-hmm. And I know a friend who called that security office to get an escort, and they were like, "Well, can't you just walk alone?" Oh my god. Um. So, mm-hmm. the, uh, yeah, the UK campus they have their own police department, and they have this thing called a cat's path. Mm-hmm. That are that are dictated by inset like cat's paws in the sidewalk that point you along different uh, uh, common routes along the campus, and all of those have uh, they're all intentionally well lit. They are patrolled after dark, twenty four seven, by the police, 
and they all have those emergency poles where you can push a button and it'll call someone to that location. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you push one of those, you are guaranteed to have someone there in at most 90 seconds, if not sooner. Um, I genuinely hope that's true. I do know, um, are they blue boxes where you like smash a button and it calls somebody and they can I think so. Yeah, we, those are pretty popular. Um, I've never heard of a guaranteed response time though. So if you can also find out if that's a legit thing and like, no, I'm not saying like go press the button. No, yeah. Ask around, see if, but yeah, see if it's legit. Cause, cause that's great. Yeah. And, and I'm so sorry to hear about, I think it was your friend who, who you said like knew that, that like somebody called and were told to just walk home alone. Like some very similar stuff happened, um, to me in my undergrad, I had someone break into my house actually into my on-campus apartment um, and you could, just to be really clear, and you can tell that I'm still salty about this, but you could see a perfect impression, like a perfect dirt boot print in the center of my front door. Jesus. And it's like, yeah, officer shitface, I just open it that way. Like, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> they were like, well, that could have been from anybody. I'm like, what? And it was like two in the morning and whatever, whatever. And I'm in my pajamas and, you know, I called the campus security at that time. Um, they were security and not police, but uh, they were like, well, we're going to check out down here. Why don't you go look upstairs? And I was like, um, no, that's why I called you. Yeah. <laughs> How about I don't do that? Yeah. And there was a laptop sitting on the coffee table and they said, well, if it was a real burglar or somebody who was really dangerous, they would have taken the laptop. And I'm like, or they could have just been like hiding in here to hurt somebody yeah. or like they, I startled them when I got up because they kicked in my door. Like, but yeah, so I, I understand those security struggles and I genuinely hope that, um, the things that UK kind of informed you with when you, you were when you were presented with that security information. I hope all that stuff is true because if so, that's fantastic and that should set a precedent for how other campuses should handle security. Right. I definitely want to see if I can get more information about the validity of validity of that. Um, but mm-hmm. given given you know this is all anecdotal. It was a tour, so it it, it was definitely their best face. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any reason to disbelieve it given the quality of things I was shown. Well, good. Um, I hate to always be the cynic, but you know, no, yeah, study, it's important. I study gender and deviance and, and collegiate attitudes on sex and stuff like that. And so, um, a lot of places, and I'm not saying UK cause I don't know, and I'm not going to speak out of turn, but a lot of places, um, like you said, want to put on their, their best face. And, and that's fair. I understand why they do that from a business perspective. Um, but at the same time, a lot of places also are, you know, not supportive of women who report sexual assaults and all that big whole mess and are too forgiving of of individuals who do experience or do commit sexual assault or violence on other people and um, which is unfortunate but i i hope i genuinely hope that that's not the case at uk and, and i have no reason to believe that it is i just haven't yeah. looked into it. i'm just jaded i'm just a jaded old researcher maybe 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 realistic is a good word uh, I, I feel where you're coming true. from Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to be ready to hold those claims accountable. Yes, I like I like that. You have such a good way of phrasing things. Um, I I also saw this is semi related mm-hmm. uh, in their in the a handout that they gave me about student life and such. Mm-hmm. One of the chapters of that little book was uh, LGBTQ resources. That was like right in the front of the book with everything else, like living and finances and everything. That's so awesome. Yeah. president and the and his wife live on campus mm-hmm. in a uh like a really big beautiful brick town home 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's not like restricted land. Like you can literally like walk right by their front door. There's study areas. You can like sit like basically in their yard and study. Mm-hmm. Um, you see the apparently you see the president like walking to classes in the morning, walking his dogs at night. Mm-hmm. Um, they're there full time. The wife is known to like hand out lemonade and cookies and shit to students that are studying. <laughs> like like just come out and set up with like a bunch of baked goods and start giving them out to people. Yeah. Uh, it sounds that that part of the culture sounds really cool. Yeah, it's interesting to be sure. That's that's new to me as well because the universities that I've been at thus far. Um, definitely have not operated in that kind of way. Um, but I'm at a much larger, much more, um, you know, highly enrolled and it's very highly ranked and stuff like that. I'm, I'm at a much larger university. And so, so yes, we, this was something that was new to me too here a few months ago. So I think I'm just a few steps kind of ahead of you on this one, uh, just barely in that, um, I learned that too when I, when I moved here and started my program here, uh, I found out, you know, yeah, the the president and his wife live on campus, and it's in this big old house, and you can see it, and it's right here, and it's very close to campus, and yeah, you can you can kind of like follow their day and like see mm-hmm. them doing doing their whole thing, and um, the the wife of the president uh, at my current university is very particular about the aesthetics of the campus, and so she installed. Well, I shouldn't say because it's very unique, but um, she has some certain art installations. Uh, put in around the campus um, that are a little bit nonsensical. They're a little goofy, and, and I'll tell you after the fact, but but they're a little um, odd. They So it, it makes you start a conversation and say, you know, what the heck are those? Why are those here? Um, and the answer, inevitably, and I've asked tour guides this. I've asked, you know, people who would definitely know. Um, I've asked, you know, what's up with those? What's up with those very odd art installations that have no relevance to our campus, to our culture, to anything about us at all? Uh, and they'll inevitably say, um, President So-and-So's wife thought it would look cool. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, it's, I think it's so funny. Um, but, but yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see, um, on one hand, I have very strong feelings about like elitist shows of power or money or whatever. And like coming from a very non-wealthy background, I can get a little bitter or look sideways at some of these displays of, of wealth as a campus. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I, I've talked about how I felt about academics as a child um, on here and Basically, like, I'm, I'm never going to go to Oxford or Cambridge. I understand that. So to see these sort of collegiate things that I, that I identify in my mind as, like, a dream of academia, like, like beautiful reading rooms and study areas and, you know, a fancy coffee shop inside my library, like, all of those things are ostentatious displays of wealth. Um, and are most certainly elite spaces. And if anybody disagrees, they can come fight me. Um, but on one hand, while I, on, on some level morally object to them because that money could be used to feed the hungry or, or, you know, save people from homelessness and all that good stuff. Uh, on the other hand, I have to say, you know, I worked really hard to get here and these are things that really enhance my college experience and I love them. Right. Um, Even while at the same time understanding that they're not the most humane use of our resources as a species, as like a global collective, I also know that that's that's not how our society operates. And so I sit inside my library Starbucks and I sit in my study rooms with my headphones in and and I I wear a tweed jacket every now and again and I kind of play out the fantasy of uh, of pseudo Cambridge or pseudo Oxford. Um, and, and I like to, to play house and imagine, and, and my university is beautiful and, and very, very well funded and is able to support that fantasy for me, which I appreciate. And also, you know, you pay a lot of money to go to these places, so um, it is only fair, in my opinion, to, to have something given back to you for all of that funding that you give them. So, so right. it's, it's a complex issue, to be sure, and I didn't mean to, like, co-opt your point, but... Oh, no, that's okay. But man, I just I, I struggle with it often because I'll I'll be sitting there in a in a beautiful library study area, sipping my coffee, reading Foucault, and look up and say, "Hmm, a child is dying of starvation right now." 
And it's really difficult for me to, like, get out of that mindset. And it's not even like, oh, there's a child dying in some far-off country. Now, there's probably somebody really struggling to eat down the street right yeah. now. Yeah, and, and, sort of, yeah. and every dorm in this in this yeah. uh, university has a tempur mattress in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, also, too, like, even though this is something that I want to point out, too, and, and it's I, I, I worry that sometimes I give the impression that I think that anyone who goes to college is... is ubiquitously privileged in all ways and that all people going to college have the same sorts of elitist experiences and that's not true at all so some students who come on scholarships and some students who pay out of pocket um food scarcity is a huge problem on u.s college campuses and i think that i've mentioned this once or twice before but Mm. but yeah food insecurity is a real problem and i don't care if you're wearing a columbia jacket and sleep on a tempur-pedic mattress and all that sort of stuff food scarcity is still an issue um on on college campuses because to avoid um or to lessen their student debt they'll you know well i'm not going to get a food card this year to go to the yeah i asked myself literally that question the other day like should i plan on getting a food card yeah exactly and um and stuff like that so a lot of universities and you should look into if uk has these um uh kind of resources uh like a food bank or like um Sometimes, oftentimes, Christian ministry groups on campus will put on free meals on the weekends once a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can go, and, and in my experience, because I've gone and I've checked them out to make sure that, you know, if my students need that, I, excuse me, I can share that information with them and stuff like that. Um, but I've gone and checked them out, and uh, oftentimes, like, I was worried, oh, they're going to do a lot of proselytizing, and that might make... Um, non-Christian students uncomfortable and no I have I have found that that was not the case you know if you want to ask questions about um, church or whatever they'll answer them but otherwise no it's just like here this is a public service we're doing for the for the community and it's really cool yeah I'll uh, look into that that sounds neat yeah that way even if you know even if you don't need it and if you do need it go to it but if you don't need it you know you can maybe somebody you meet in one of your classes looks hungry a lot or like is constantly asking after your snacks just be like yo dude we got a food pantry if you're insecure (laughs) yeah that would also be a cool thing to start uh Mm -hmm. potentially absolutely it's apparently very easy to make student groups on campus that you just need three people and an advisor to sign off indeedly doodly and they will give you funding so like if you start a we had a campus group i shit you not at my undergrad that was um the the something something like the university name uh renaissance fair club and literally all we did was <laughs> get the get you know the three students necessary and an on-campus advisor to sign the paperwork and then you can petition for funding and our the whole purpose of our group in our mission statement was to increase knowledge and awareness and attendance of local renaissance festivals and so we just applied for funding and the school gave us all money to take like 15 people (laughs) to the renaissance festival that's awesome it was dope and you can totally do that there was also um at my at my undergrad people discovered this secret in my junior year of undergrad and so my senior year of undergrad there were all of these new clubs on campus one of them was the ultimate frisbee club they actually started a statewide league whoa yeah and another one that i absolutely loved was the grilling club (laughs) (laughs) they were like we have a deep passion for grilling fresh meats boy do some people have that passion yeah that is not a lie they started they started a grilling club and um as far as I know, they're still going strong. So you can request oh funds so to good. buy a grill or rent a grill. Um, oh you can request request funds for um, buying fresh, healthy meats and sauces and all the tools that you might need. I think they even had, uh, this would have been the year after I left, so I can't confirm it uh, like I was there in person. But I heard from some, from some other people that were still there, some old friends, that um, they even had custom... Uh, bibs like grilling uh, aprons <laughs> they had crust, custom grilling aprons made for the for the club with the club logo on it and so yeah for all of our listeners out there especially if you are an undergrad if you would like to start a university club it is incredibly easy and especially if you are at a university that is moderately to well-funded they will pay for you to do some dumb shit <laughs> hmm. if i was in that grilling club i would i i would in my wildest dreams of grilling club goals, I would invest in like laser etched 
spatulas that had the yeah, logo yeah. that you could like put them on the burger. Oh, this is actually something super cool that I don't know if I've talked to you about. Um, there is a building. I'm not going to say the name of it again because I would like to keep anonymity. But um, there's a building on my campus that is basically like a it's like a crafting hub is kind of what they call it. And they have all of these large scale crafting tools like they have a, a wood lathe and they have like woodworking tools. They have a laser etcher. They have a 3D printer. And yeah. the use of all of it is totally free. Wow. To I wonder if, if UK has anything like that. They might. Seriously look into it. Because if we have it, you guys are pretty likely to have it. And um, all I would like access to bring a the 3D material. printer. Yeah, yeah. So like if you wanted to wood burn something or laser etch something onto wood or metal, all you have to do is bring that piece of wood or metal. And then um, the people who work in the building will help you learn how to work the technology and, and stuff like that. And you can make all your own designs for free. All you have to do is provide the, the material. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to power through the last couple things. Yeah, please. And they're two small things. I saw the engineering um, college area, like the area of the engineering college of the university. It's like a complex of like four or five all brick buildings surrounded an entirely, surrounding an entirely brick like courtyard plaza. Mm -hmm. And all of them are connected by tunnels and walkways. Uh, you never have to go outside to get uh, get from building to building in that in that area. That's so cool. That'll be nice during winter. Yeah, yeah, it's super neat. I want to use the tunnels, like a <laughs> mole. Um, I definitely have to come check that out. <laughs> yeah, I hope I I hope that uh, my wife and I can come visit you and see your campus. I also hope that you you can come visit us and we can show you around. Yes. Uh, the UK campus because I think you would really enjoy it. Totes my Um, it was all very cool. I was astounded by everything about it. Uh, I'm so hyped to get there in the spring. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that I'm going to be getting there because when I, I got home and literally as I was coming back to my apartment, I checked the mail. My acceptance letter was there. Um, yes. <laughs> very conveniently. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm going to be starting there in the spring. Uh, two other little quick anecdotes. One, the, the team of people who are like the transfer and admissions advisors mm -hmm. um, who split up the state, one of them who handles the western half of the state, which handles Louisville, he, he makes the rounds on a rotating schedule to all of the com Kentucky Community College System colleges. Mm -hmm. like, sure. Yeah, and like to talk to people. So I was able to make an appointment to speak to him later this month like on my campus. Like I'm going to walk out of class and meet this guy. That's so awesome. Um, which is super rad. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other neat thing that happened was someone had printed out a bunch of stickers of Steve Buscemi's head and put them everywhere on the campus. Literally what? everywhere. They were like on like had been put on the like Cat's Path safety walk path emblems. I saw them on poles and trees. Uh, the best one that I saw was there was this, this very big regal statue of this man in a giant chair with a flowing robes and a big staff. It literally looked like there was a statue of a mage on the campus. I don't know who it was. I didn't have time to read the plaque. Someone had climbed up this statue and put one right on his head. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> um, oh my god. I wish you could have gotten one because I want a Stevie Shimmy sticker. But oh, that's another thing that I just I love about college campuses is people are always up to something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that was my experience. It was very good. I'm very excited about it. Uh, this that means that this is my last semester at my community college, which is bittersweet. But I'm now, I so I've been reading. Um, I, I I desperately want to get to your stuff. I feel like I've used a lot of your time. No, I'm all wanna, about hearing your biz. I'm so excited for you. I want to end on this note. I've been reading the name of the uh, or the name of the wind. Have you? Yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. Um, I'm a good ways through it and it's, it's, and I've been thinking a lot about that book and how that book is like a very carefully constructed, uh, educational financial fantasy that I feel like has such amazing appeal to people of our generation in similar situations of life as us. Yes. Um, it's so good. And I, I can't help but feel similar to Kivoth get coming to the university. I'm, I'm nowhere near at, you know. I'm not. I'm not trying to make any kind of parallels between his level of poverty and mine, or or privilege, or anything like that. But it's. I feel like part of the point of that book is to fantasize of like coming from nothing to success mm -hmm. through hard work. It's it's a very it's a weirdly a very American fantasy. 
It um, is a very American fantasy, and at the same time, I love the uh, the way that Patrick Rothfuss, the author, um, I love the way that he adds in stupid mistakes. Like yeah. Roth makes makes dumb mistakes that any you know fifteen year old boy would make, and also he um, he adds in winds of, of fortune too, like mm-hmm. like changes chance that that has nothing to do with choices that the main character made, but rather. Just, right. you know, this is life. This is just how it does or doesn't work. And, and oh, oh, I love that book. Yeah. We're, oof, I could talk about that for hours. Yeah, you and I should have more conversation about that sometime. I've already bought the second one. It's sitting it's, here next to me. So. Oh, oh, it's so good. Savor it. I so wish, I almost wish I could just forget the first book. I, yeah. So I could go back and read it again. I've had that experience with pieces of media. That mm-hmm. the experience is so good that, that you just, you, you finish it and you know that there'll never be anything like it again. Exactly. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's super awesome. And, and it's funny that you brought that up. I totally forgot. Like, cause I mean, when you recommend that somebody should read a book, it's very rare that they actually do it. And so I had forgotten that I had suggested that to you. Um, and when you were like the engineering building at UK has all these tunnels that connect everything. I was like the tunnels at the university. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of the name of the one. So right. that's so funny. I love that. Right, right, right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it was impossible for me to not feel like I was stumbling into this crazy, magical, mystical place of privilege and learning. Yes. Uh, and that I had no business being there, but, but literally at the end of the day, after this whole tour, after like being overwhelmed by the, like, everything to come mm-hmm. home and get have a letter that's like and you're coming like mm-hmm. it was I, it feels so surreal everything yeah. about it from yeah. top to bottom from from tip to tail and when did you when did you get that letter what day no like the same day like i got home no i know I, like how many days ago oh today? um friday which was uh, two, days two days ago yeah so i just want to let you know you're excited about it now it hasn't fully hit you yet uh, and I don't like to do this, like tell people what their experience is going to be like, but I've gotten acceptance letters for uh, like three separate, uh, whole situations of a pl- application now, because I've been at three different universities for each of my degrees. Um, and so, yeah, you are excited now. It's going to bubble up inside you like a fountain. It's ridiculous. Um, and I definitely understand that and enjoy it, write it, celebrate it. Don't be, you know, don't feel bashful or shy. And to to both you, Bradley, and, and to anybody listening at any point in time, if you have just been accepted to university, funded or not, scholarship or not, be proud of yourself. Don't let jaded assholes tell you that, you know, oh, well, everybody goes to college nowadays. It's not that hard to get in. Yes, it is. It is hard to get in. It's difficult to do. It's difficult to maintain. And you did something right. So congratulations, pat yourself on the back, let other people appreciate you and tell you that you did a good job and don't be bashful and be shy and do that thing where it's like, oh no, it's not really a big deal. It is a big fucking deal. And from me to you, congratulations in the deepest and most sincere sense. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm very excited. You should be. And I feel, I feel it's come at a good time because I, I feel like I've been struggling this semester, not necessarily because the work is hard, but just because of the context of, uh, of like my current circumstances, mm-hmm. um, which has been, has been discouraging a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, this is a big motivator for me to push through the rest of the semester and do yeah. well. That's awesome. Um, it's all very exciting. I, I went so far over my time. I want to hear about your week. There, there is no my time or your time. This is our time, Bradley. And this week, like I'm saying, don't be bashful about celebrating your success. This is the shit. This is the jam. This is what all of us work hard for. There are there are people working in academia for decades that that hunt for that feeling like a junkie. Like <laughs> they want that feeling of excitement connected to to academics again. And, and so that's crucial and important. And I would not have had uh, our time used in any other way. I will um, I will drop a couple quick little things that happened in my week and then wrap this up um, because I have to go meditate because my therapist told me to. <laughs> but uh, but no, so this week I went to a, a local conference um, for my discipline. I went to a sociological association conference of the area in which I live. Again, sorry I'm being so cloak and dagger, but for personal reasons I prefer to keep my identity anonymous to the best of my ability. Um, 
And so I went to this conference and I got to sit on a discussion panel and talk about topics that I research with, you know, leading people in my field, which was very exciting. Um, a very big name in, um, in some of the things that I studied told me that they were going to keep up with my work because I was, quote, doing good things. And that always feels good. Um, so again, don't be afraid to praise yourselves and don't be afraid to let other people praise you. You know, we have this, this sense of intense, like martyr level hum humbleness and humility. And like, sometimes it's okay to be proud of yourself. And so I, I got to feel proud of myself for a hot minute and that always feels good. And, um, I got to add a line to my CV, my curriculum vitae, my, my academic resume. Um, and so that's always a good thing. And then also, um, you brought Wait. up, is that what CV stands for? What? Curriculum Vitae? Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> I've never understood what that stood for. Yeah, Curriculum... I didn't even realize I said it. Yeah, CV is Curriculum Vitae. Okay. Please continue. I needed, I wanted to hit that point because that, 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 blur, that took me by surprise. Yeah, no, you're fine. I think it's Latin for, like, um, the life something of your... Something life? Person. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, it's basically your academic resume. So instead of putting on there, like I worked at Papa John's in the summer of 2001, you put in there, like I, pizza you know, artiste. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you put a, you put like, I presented this paper at this conference in, you know, 2015 and uh, you know, okay. I, I went to this school and you don't oh. put your grades on there or anything. So there's, like there's, a, there is a difference between resume and CV. They're, they're different. Oh, definitely. Yes. Oh, I see. I didn't know that either. Yeah, so I can actually send you mine, Bradley, and you can look at it and see what it looks like. Um, but yeah, you like write down your, your academic accomplishments, um, academic positions that you've held, any jobs that you had that have relevant um, kind of connections to what you're doing now. Um, any time that you publish, you put that on your CV. Um, sometimes early in your academic career, if you are just now starting to teach courses, you might put some of the specialty courses that you teach on there. Um, if you're like looking for a job or something like that, but, um, but yeah, basically it's just like a sum of your body of work, um, to let people know what you've been up to as an academic. Um, but so, so yeah, that, that conference will be a cute little line on my CV and that'll be nice saying, you know, sat on round table discussion with, you know, XYZ, all the people that I sat with. Um, and that'll be cool. We talked about um, some topics that I study and that was nice. Uh, but so another really cool thing that happened this week was um, you mentioned in your UK um, literature, in your pamphlets that you received and stuff, um, LGBT support and uh, life and stuff like that, and like uh, resources for LGBT youth on campus. Um, and I'm actually really, really excited. I just took a position with a nonprofit operating on campus um, that supports LGBT youth. Um, and just general um, positivity for LGBT culture and equal rights and stuff like that. And so we like go to Pride Day stuff and, excuse me, pass out like pamphlets and all that good stuff. But one thing that is really exciting to me is the position that I've taken with this organization has to do with philanthropy. So I get to do a lot of fundraising stuff for this and I find it so exciting because as an LGBT, you know, identifying person, not all of those, just a couple, <laughs> but as, as an identifying person within the group um, and as an academic and as somebody who grew up without a lot of money, um, the foundation that I'm now working with slash working for, um, they give out $1,000 worth of scholarships every year to LGBT youth looking to go to college. Wow. Yeah, and it's a it's an international scholarship, so anyone in the world can apply for it, um, and it's just like it's basically just like a check sent directly to to you or your university. I'm not super sure on that yet. I just got hired last week, so I'm about to have an informational meeting with my yeah. my new nonprofit boss. But um, but yeah, so it's really cool that I get to involve myself in in nonprofit and like charity work that means a lot to me, um, and so I get to be in an outspoken advocate on my campus campus for LGBT rights uh, and 
and supporting the education of LGBT youth because oftentimes they're a very disenfranchised group of people who yeah. don't have a lot of resources and and so we want to be there to help them with that and, and it's very very exciting so I'm, I'm happy to be able to do that especially in such a professional capacity like doing it in my free time is cool but being able to do it on the clock is such a dream like that's so so awesome and I, I just I love that you know, I, I try not to focus on the selfish aspects of philanthropy, but um, yeah, but no, I'm definitely getting something out of it, and it feels awesome to me, and and it's it's good all around. I think I think everybody wins with me getting to do this because I'm very very motivated, and and the person doing the job before me, the the person in charge of philanthropy for this organization before me, is a top notch person, and and I know that they did their job incredibly, but they're going through some personal turmoil right now and so they they asked me to step in and I was like yeah absolutely and so so again that's a win-win for everybody so that person can relax and kind of um, sort out their situation and the head of the organization is happy to have me on and and I'm happy to be there so so all of that is good positive stuff and I, you and I are just floating in the top of the cream right now I think <laughs> that's awesome that's such important work yeah I, um, I like to think so and I feel like uh this might be complete speculation. I feel like at times the important uh, the importance of like like basic support for um, LGBT people gets lost in so much of the other modern problems that are happening. Like yeah. I feel like like once um, uh, marriage was legalized. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Once marriage was legalized. Uh, it's clearly not everyone and probably not the majority of people, probably some minority, but I've definitely encountered like certain uh, people expressing the opinion that like, just like people are are sometimes like feminism is solved because women can vote or something. Yeah, or like, like racism is over because we had a black president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that, like, 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 you know, gay marriage LGBT is... LGBT rights is, are fine because they can marry now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That That is a sentiment that, you know, is a huge part of of spreading awareness and, and kind of dumping on that notion and saying like, no, of course it's not over. The fight for women is not over. The fight for people of color is not over. The fight for LGBT people is most certainly not over. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I am heartened to hear you express that viewpoint because, because yeah, unfortunately, especially living in a very conservative area, um, in which I do live, uh, it's, it's something that I've encountered more than once. And so I'm excited to go out there and educate the masses and tell them, nope, not everything is fixed. Not everything is perfect. Uh, you know, LGBT youth still have suicidal ideation and suicidal attempts at higher rates than the average. Um, trans people in particular and adding on to that other statuses. So like trans women or trans women of color or, you know, all these different um, societal disadvantages, uh, they basically... Intersectionality. Yeah, intersectionality, you got it. They basically stack, um, and and that that becomes a very difficult place to operate in. Like, I, I can't speak to that struggle personally because I don't know it. Um, but, but, I mean, the stories that I've heard and the encounters that I've had and the incredible people that I've met tell me, you know, like you said, this is important work. And so... Um, one part of being an academic, a career academic, is that you are expected to split your time at your job, um, not just to teaching, but to research and to teaching and to service. Those are the three components of being a professor on like any large campus. Now, there are some jobs um, that are just research or just teaching, um, but for the majority, there is a mix. Um, and so you'll spend some of your time teaching, some of your time researching, and then some of your time you are expected to be doing service. And working for a nonprofit can be considered service, um, depending on depending on the um, area that you live in and the department and how they feel about that sort of stuff. It's it's a case to case sometimes, but um, it is nice to to be able to do important work that benefits me and the population that I'm helping. So it, it can count towards you know my portion of service, which is really nice. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's very important work. And I feel, uh, this almost feels like weirdly uppity to, of me to say, but I'm very proud of you. You're doing very important things. Oh, well, thanks. And I'm proud of you too. You got the, what, a, what a positive podcast we've had. Oftentimes <laughs> I come in here ranting about like inequality and, and like really sad, terrible statistics and like all the bad things that happen on a campus. But 
today, oh today, I think we're just, <laughs> like I said, I think we're just floating on the top of the cream right now and just enjoying ourselves, so yeah. we'll see how long that lasts, <laughs> at least for me, I think, I think you're gonna be fine, but oof, gosh. <laughs> well, I, well. yeah, we won't discuss the deadlines that I'm already behind and choosing just, not to not to acknowledge just let us steep in the happiness just for now um so yeah i think i think it best to to end on that positive note where both of us are in a good place and enjoying what we're doing yeah that's excellent let's end the show um thank you all for joining us our music is isadore's breakfast from the album of the same name by anna Patton. you can find all of her music at annapatton.com that's a-n-n-a-p-a-t-t-o-n.com do you have questions for us it's a new it's a new part of the outro. Send your questions to collegeruledpod at gmail.com. Collegeruledpod at gmail.com and we'll answer your questions. We're ravenous for your questions. Please. Someone, yes. anyone, a listener, does anyone know we're here doing this? Someone acknowledge our existence. <laughs> Ask us a question. Or make a statement or tell a funny story. Respectfully. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's that. Um, Tanya, do you have anything you want to you wanna specifically end on? Um, just that be proud of your accomplishments and let other pe- people, you know, praise you for things you've done well. That's, that's my end note for the week. Okay. Also, listen to your very handsome therapist. <laughs> yeah, good luck with your meditation. Thank you. As soon as we end here, I'll, I'll, I'll take my mandolin out and set it where I can see it. Do it. Just to be sure. Even if that's like literally on a desk or something. <laughs> All right. Uh, Thank you all for joining us. We hope you have a good, positive, college-based week. And if you don't, that's okay, too. Just keep in mind that we're supporting you. Uh, And like always, remember that students are people, too. Bye. Bye.